morning, Cornerstone. Uh, my name is Matthew, and I'll be doing the scripture reading for today, which comes from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 9. Uh, you can follow along in your own Bibles, your phones are on the screen here. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go into the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country, onto the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev, the word of the Lord. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> All right, there we go. I realized last week I forgot to put on my glasses. Hey, there you are. So we're continuing in this series, oh, forgot my little clicker, of Genesis, which is beginnings, is the subtitle, because uh, Genesis simply means beginnings uh, or origins. And we've worked our way up to the, through different stories up to this point of chapter 12, where we're looking at the call that God gives to Abram. And thinking of this idea of call, I was thinking of, uh, I'm, I'm kind of dated, I'm, gonna, I'm 55, and so I remember life before the cell phone. And life, the cell phone has a, really affected our society in a way that I've seen that it, it, it's almost an expectation that we are to be available all the time. And even now, working at home has increased that, right, where you're always available. It seems like you're always uh, on call for the work, your job if you work at home. Uh, but this, the cell phone in the past 30-plus years has really changed this. And then it's even ramped up more because now you have your phone with you, so everybody thinks you're always available and uh, then texting has increased that because, you know, a lot of times now in our culture, screening calls has become part of our, our culture too, right? Because we're always available, the phone can ring all the time, but we have learned well how to screen our calls because we're not going to pick it up every time. We're busy or maybe we're, it's like, you know, some junk call. And so we, we just take a look. We can have caller ID or we don't recognize the number or we can just ignore it. Uh, or we can just silence our phone so we're not always bothered by the ring. Um, but then texting has increased the availability pressure on us because I could be in a meeting and I don't take my call, but then somebody texts me and then it's just sitting there and there's this pressure like I need to respond to this text 
um, because I can do that kind of, you know, discreetly sometimes. And so it's like we always have to be available. We have to respond immediately to anybody tapping into uh, wanting us for whatever reason there is. And oftentimes we just, I see, uh, and many, and more and more people, they just keep their phones on silence, period. So they're not going to hear my call. And then when it goes into voicemail, they haven't even set up their voicemail. <laughs> or the voicemail's full. So obviously they're not even listening or whatever, deleting or something. So that's useless. And then when you text them, they never respond to you because it's like we're overwhelmed with being available at all the time. And the, the reason why I bring this up when I'm thinking about Abraham's call from God is because we often respond to God like now in our culture, where God is trying to get our attention. He's calling you and me, and yet we're just screening his calls. We're ignoring them. We're not paying much attention, or we're not even listening. We just turned our, <laughs> our cell phone in our head on silence, and we're not even paying attention. Well, in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we've seen how God has dealt with the sin of mankind up to this point uh, of him calling Abram. And he's dealt it in the previous 11 chapters with some grace we've seen with Adam and Eve and giving them clothes and um, uh, in chapter um, 11 with the Tower of Babel, how he dispersed them with the confusing their languages because of their sinful pride. Uh, that's acts of grace in that sense. But also we saw with Noah the judgment of the world of sin, where he destroyed the whole world and restarted, kind of rebooted it through Noah and his family and the, the animals on the ark. But here we see things change because notice how God here speaks of blessing rather than judgment. He's, he's giving an, a word to Abram of blessing instead of judgment. And because this is because it's significant in all of Scripture because God now is beginning to reveal His plan for redemption of mankind from their sinful, what they deserve, the punishment that they deserve, the judgment, His judgment that they deserve. But He has a plan to redeem them and save them, which is us as well. So listen again to, to, in light of this to the first three verses of Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we know from the rest of Scripture that how the families, all the families of the earth shall be blessed is through Abram's descendants, which Jesus is, comes from that line. And so Jesus is what God is referring to here as the ultimate blessing for mankind as he has given his life to save and redeem mankind, all past mankind, all future mankind. So once and for all. And so that's why we are here today gathered in the name of Christ. But this is what God is referring to and beginning with, to carry out his plan of salvation here in chapter 12. So God chose Abram for a specific purpose. He called him.
for a specific purpose, and that through him, the whole world will experience blessing. That sounds good. <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't, I don't mind being blessed. That's wonderful. And the Bible makes it clear to us that it's through faith in Christ Jesus that that blessing can be actualized. So we see here uh, in the text that for all of us, when, like he did with Abram, that God calls us for his purpose. And for each of us, that means for a specific purpose. He's calling you, he's calling me to do something specifically because we're an individual. And, and Acts 17 carries this out even more. The, uh, uh, written there, the gospel, I mean, the disciple of Luke uh, that was a follower of Paul wrote this. And this is how uh, he explained uh, or recorded Paul giving this sermon. And Paul says here, From one man he made every nation, meaning God, made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. This is amazing because, you know, you could have been born at a different time period or a different place, a different country, uh, you, God chose you and me to be here right now at this moment for his purposes because we understand that he is sovereign. That means he is in control of all things. God chose you to be here. He handpicked you for a specific purpose, for his purposes on earth. And God doesn't make mistakes. So if we look at Abram, God called him when he was 75. And this was not a mistake. God chose Abram from all the other people that he could have chosen. And he chose Abram and called him. God called Abram to move. But God's call may be for us to just stay where we are. We, we've got to consider and listen to him. Uh, there's a story that uh, reminds me of this staying where we are uh, of the 11th century King Henry III and uh, he was, uh, uh, like, of the Roman... Uh, anyway, it was the time when the popes were ruling politically at that time. And he was, he was in the kingship, but he was getting tired of the court life and the pressures of being king and having to make all these decisions. So he applied to the local monastery to just kind of start going there instead of being king. He wanted to resign and just go and hide in the monastery and live the, mon the monk, the life of a monk, in silence and quiet and following the Lord Christ. And so he applied to this guy named Prior Richard, and Prior Richard said to Henry, he said, Your Majesty, do you understand that the pledge to be in this monastery here is one of obedience? I think, oh, I think that's going to be hard for you because you're used to being king, you know, giving the orders, not taking the orders. And then Henry, the, the king, said in response, well, I understand the rest of my life I commit to being obedient to you as you are obedient to Christ. Well, then Prior Richard said very seriously to Henry, then I will tell you what to do. Return to where God has put you as king and live faithfully for the Lord serving as king. And when Henry, the king Henry died, the statement written uh, according to him, describing him, was that the king learned to rule by being obedient. 
to stay where he was, where God had put him. You see, when we tire of our roles and responsibilities and where we are, it seems, at this point, um, we, it's important to remember that God and his sovereignty has placed you and me right where we are right now and calls us to be faithful to him in and through what we do because he has chosen us for a specific purpose and placed us at this time, at this place. And there's a reason he chose you. I mean, he knows that reason. <laughs> I don't know the reason, but he knows that reason. If, but the thing is, if it were only to get you and me to heaven, think about it. If, if that's the only reason we are to follow Jesus is so that we can live forever and get to heaven, then why wouldn't God, once we believe and decide to follow him, just kill us on the spot, right? Because then the, he achieved his goal, right? Oh, you believe? Okay, zap, you're dead. Go straight to heaven, right? No, that's not the only reason why he wants us to believe in him. Matter of fact, he has us to do his work on earth. And yes, we will eventually get to go to heaven and be with him for eternity. God did not call Abram, for example, to be a pastor. What did he call Abram to do? Simply to move and have a family and raise a family in a different location. That's, that's what he called Abram to do. But to do that, giving him honor and glory while he did that. So God calls us for a specific purpose, but that's not all. Because when he calls us, he requires that the response from us is to be, uh, have a complete trust and faith in him. Complete faith just means a faith that is life-changing. It's not a, what we could determine as a convenient faith. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I believe. Yeah, and I'm still going to do what I want to do. Yeah, that's not the kind of faith, well, if you even could call that faith. Look at verse 1 again, where it says, the Lord says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I mean, he didn't even give him a GPS coordinate, right? He just said, go to the land I will show you. That's really specific, right? <laughs> just go and leave all that you know, and I'll show you where you're going to end up. And so we see the first aspect of God's call is a call here to trust, or we could say to trust that leads to obedience, I mean, to do what he asks us to do, to follow him in that sense. And this requires a complete faith. See, God called Abram to obey him, to trust him and do what he said, and to move to a new country. This just emphasizes that obedience is not easy at all. It's not. It goes against our own thinking, our own will. And notice the things that God asked Abram to leave. Significant here. The first one is his country. And the second, his people. The third is father's home, his household there. Not only was he to leave those three things, but he was to move to a country he had never seen. And he wasn't quite sure where it was. Or exactly, he probably knew the area because the people talked and where in that country? Where was, he, was there any place for him to live and to supply things that needed for survival? He had to trust God in so many things. And so we emphasize here, obedience of this complete faith is difficult. It's not what some people say, an easy believism. Like, oh yeah, I, I believe that. But it doesn't really change anything. And if you look at Jesus commanded his followers later on to make disciples by teaching them to obey 
everything that he had commanded them or taught them. So obedience is, is an essential part and a characteristic of this complete faith that God requires in answer to his call in our lives. So to obey God's call in our life, there is one thing that we must be willing to do that is evidence of our complete trust in him, and that is change. We have to change in some way. In order to fully obey God, we must be willing to let go of our own thinking, our own understanding, which means we must be willing to change. And change is difficult. There's something in a human DNA that just resists change. People do not like to change. You may be thinking like, yeah, I want to travel. I, I love trying new things, but that doesn't mean you're changing. I mean, imagine if that's what you like to do. What if God asked you to stay in one place, not go anywhere? That would be a change. <laughs> you know, so you probably wouldn't like that. That's change. You don't like that. And, and we just resist that. And to obey God, we must be willing to change. doesn't mean he's going to make us change or ask us to change, but we've got to be willing to change. And this definitely, definitely need, means we need to change our attitude and habits of life when he asks us to. We may need to change our job, for example. We may need to change the place where we live if he calls us or leads us to do so. But one thing guaranteed is that God's call requires change in us in usually some dramatic ways. You know, one thing is for sure that we are selfish human beings full of sinful tendencies. Everything that we do is somehow mixed in with selfishness and we deserve God's punishment. And his, thankfully, we also receive his redemption. And we need that. But so let's think about this. How has, if we're followers of Jesus and we claim to be, then think about our lives. Has there been anything dramatically changed in our life that we can see? What changes can we sense since we have declared to follow Jesus? If we can't think of much, if anything, then I would say that the evidence isn't there that we're actually following Jesus. We may think we are, we may say we are, we've convinced ourselves we are, but if there's no change, then we're not really following Jesus because that's the complete faith requires change. Just like he said to Abram, go, leave your father's household. It required change on his part. Jesus said, for example, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near in Matthew. And this was a key teaching of Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry, and he said it over and over again, he repeated this, and repent, what does repent mean? It means a change of direction, it's a 180 degree turn, it's like what the military says, an about face, you know, where they do a total turnaround, it's, that's what repent captures here, it's a change in direction, and P Jesus calls people to change from their ways of sin and follow the ways of God, it's change, it's that complete faith does not happen by accident, it requires an intentional determination on your part and my part to trust in God who calls you and me. And we need then to intentionally place our complete trust in Jesus Christ, his son who he sent as our redeemer. Following Jesus is intentional, not accidental. It reminds me of this story uh, that happened one night 
in a small town where their chemical factory where a lot of people worked at in that small town started with this fire and there was an explosion and the fire started to spread and so the alarm went out for all these, uh, these fellow uh, fire companies in the area to come and start trying to put it in and out and they worked at it for an hour and it was just seeming not to make any progress. And so the president of the company came and announced that he'd give a, a $50,000 reward to the fire company that could be significant in putting out the fire and is specifically protecting the vault, which is in the center of the company, because that's where they had their patents and formulas and stuff like this. They, they needed the stuff to be preserved in that vault. So the firefighters worked another two hours at it, and they couldn't make any headway and get close to the vault. And, and so the president upped it to $100,000 to the fire company that could do it. Like, that's going to make any difference, right? And, um, and then all of a sudden, they heard this siren coming, and there was this fire engine that had come from a local area. It was a little late because they were retirees all over 65, and they were flying in here to get there to help out. But they, the one thing is they didn't slow down. They went right through the gate into the chemical factory, right into the middle of the fire, and finally, the engine stopped, and they, go, they, they were looking at horror to see these guys in the middle of the fire. They jumped off the truck. They started doing it, and they started fighting the fire like frenzy, like crazy, trying to survive. And within an hour, they actually diminished the fire enough to protect the vault. And then the other fire, they put out the fire. It was significant. So the president was overjoyed, and he, he thanked the, each of the old men, and he said, I appreciate it. Actually, I'm so proud of you guys. 200000 I'm going to give to your fire company. So he said, what, what are you going to do with the money? And the, the driver of the fire truck said, first thing I'm going to do is get new brakes for this truck. Man, I couldn't stop the truck. It went right into the, you know, and, you know, it was by accident that these guys got this reward. It wasn't their plan. And what the point of this story is that we don't get this reward of Christ by accident. He was intentional to offer it to us by His grace. And He requires the same of us to be intentional to follow Him and trust Him completely. God is calling us today. Will we respond to His call? Are we willing to change? Or are we living like we have put our phone on silence, just ignoring His call? So we don't want to be interrupted in what we're doing with our lives and what we are, are trying to achieve. God is calling you. Are you ignoring him? Am I ignoring him? God's call to each of us today is similar to the call that he made to Abram thousands of years ago. God calls us, just like he did to Abram, to follow him. God said to Abram, go from your country to the land that I will show you. In a sense, just follow me. Follow my guide. I may not be telling you where to go, but don't worry. I'm, I'm going I'm to show you where it is. And he's commanding Abram to follow him. And how did Jesus call his disciples? Same way, right? He said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishes of men. He said to some of them. Following someone requires concentration and focus. It's kind of like it reminds me of this game that maybe many of us played when we were kids, follow the leader. You know, that's kind of a funny game because I don't know if you remember the, the trick of the game is if I was the one leading the game is I would say what you're supposed to do and you're, you're supposed to follow that command to not get kicked out. 
But as a leader, I'd try to trick you in saying it. So, you, know, you know, I'd say, like, uh, raise your left hand. Ha <laughs> but I'm raising my right hand. Or I'd say, like, rub your stomach, and I'm rubbing my head, right? So the idea is to try to trick people to get them to do what they're seeing rather than what you're saying. And the reason I bring this up is because to win that game, you have to really intentionally listen rather than see what they're doing. And that's just like life. When we want to follow Christ, we need to know His words, as He said, to obey everything I have commanded you. We need to know His words and listen to His words. And oftentimes, we just look at people and try to follow the people. But oftentimes, people get it wrong. Or they twist what Jesus says. And we just copy them, and we're not really following Christ Himself. We're just following people. So we need to concentrate on doing what the Lord teaches in the scriptures rather than just following people. And make sure that what the people are doing actually in line with what Jesus is saying to do. And Abram did what the Lord called him to do. We see in the verses 4 and 5. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he had departed from Haran. And Abram took his wife Sarai, his, uh, yeah, his wife Sarai and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. But then listen to what happened next. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, a couple things to note here. First, I like this. This is a tree as a landmark. I mean, I always appreciate directions that use landmarks because it's something I can look for, right? Not something I have to remember necessarily. And, and the great, this oak of Marah, at Shechem was probably, we can say in the context of that historical context, a place of idol worship among the Canaanites. Uh, we say that because, and notice the next sentence mentions the Canaanites were living in the land uh, at that time. And, and we know from scriptures that in the, first, the book of 1 Kings mentions that at that point, Israel was starting to adopt the practices of the people around them, and it mentions that the Canaanites worshipped under trees. Now, if there was this great oak tree, then naturally the, there's a good chance there might have been a place of worship of idols there by the Canaanites. And by the way, just an aside, sometimes, some people think this is where we get the idea of knock on wood, you know, as there's relations of worship and trees and, yeah, and things like that. So Abram traveled throughout the land and he saw that the Canaanites lived through this land and were practicing this idol worship and obviously it was different from what he experienced of the one true God, maker of heaven and earth. And what did God do next? Amazingly, he appeared to Abram. Did you catch that? He appeared to Abram. That means like he showed up. Hey, Hey, dude, <laughs> you know, how you doing? I'd be a little freaky, wouldn't it? You know, God appears to you, and, and you can see that it really impacted Abram as well. He appeared to Abram. What a blessing from the Lord. He just shows up on the scene, and then he promises to Abram that, see this land? I'm going to give it to your offspring. 
you know, if we're real selfish thinking, at that point I'd be like, but I, I mean, I'm here now. Can't you give it to me? <laughs> Why are you going to give it to my offspring? You know, you know that's probably American thinking, individualism, you know, like that. Um, but he gives it, he promises this blessing to Abram, and Abram then built this altar right on that spot because of God's amazing appearance to him there, and he worships the Lord God. When we obey God's call for our life, he promises to bless us. There's a lot of blessings through Christ Jesus. He, he has promised to bless us with eternal life, resurrected bodies that live forever and ever and ever. Uh, we have the new heaven and the new earth to look forward to. And that is our promised land, we can say, like in the Old Testament reference. But at the same time, God blesses us right here and now. And he blesses us in so many different ways for our lives before eternity comes in that sense, before he comes and sets things up. But we need to respond to him with this complete faith that we saw in Abram. You know, when I followed God's call oh, back in 1992, he had made it clear to me that I was to move from where I was. So I went to seminary in Denver, and, and I, I had no idea that I would be blessed so much with meeting someone that has blessed me so much, and that's my wife, May. I met her in Denver. I mean, she came from Taiwan. It was God's timing. We both ended up there at the same time. And, and I mean, without her, I would not be the person I am today in the sense of how God has influenced me through her. And the last thing to note from today's text is that we then will be a blessing. We will be a blessing when we answer God's call. We will be a blessing to those around us because we share with them the blessings that God has given us. He has blessed us, just like Abraham, Abram, to be a blessing to others. In Christ, Abram's descendants blessed the whole world. And now the Spirit of God in us is to be, will bless others in our lives. This is the way it works. And when we place our trust in Christ Jesus, God the Son, then we are blessed with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All these fruit of the Spirit begins to bubble up through us. And, and who here would like to be hanging around with someone with those qualities? I know I would. <laughs> yeah, definitely. When we follow Jesus, we are a blessing to others. And, and I was thinking of a practical way to, as an example, and, and I'm just thinking of how God has blessed my neighbors three houses down the street um, through just being in relationship with May and I and some of you in our church community. They've been blessed just in a couple practical ways. One, I can remember, I can say just recently, a few months ago, um, May and I were sleeping deeply in our, our bed, right? And, and I was awakened by my phone ringing, which is very unusual because I put it on Do Not Disturb, but it's an app that allows certain numbers to still disturb me <laughs> that I've listed there, you know, like my family, my mom, you know, my brothers, whatever, and my neighbor. So I, I was waking, and I look, and it's my neighbor. So I answer the call, and I'm thinking, oh, no, what's happening? It's really, like, early morning hours. And he tells me that uh, water is pouring into his basement right near his sub pump, like, gushing in, and he doesn't know what to do. Can I come over? 
And the reason why he called me is because just the day or two before, we were talking about how his walls were starting to weep water, and it was like coming through the cinder block, and it was coming down and getting on the floor, and he's having to mop it up, and he had no idea why, where the water was coming from, because it hadn't rained for days at that point, and when it did rain, it didn't rain that much, so he didn't know. So we had looked into it, and he said, well, maybe if you drill a weeping hole, you just drill a hole in your foundation near the floor near your sub pump, it'll relieve the pressure that's on the water coming in, and it'll come in there and drain in your sump pump, and you'll be fine. So that's what he did, I guess, at like 1230 at night. He decided to drill a hole there, and all of a sudden, the water gushed out. Like, if you turn your faucet on full force, that's what it was doing. It was coming out into it. It was like shooting out past the pump, sump pump that was going on his floor. He's like, oh, no, how do I, how do I shut this off? You know, it's not working like I thought, and uh, so he called me. So I went over there. And we put our heads together and we figured out that it was his well pump. It's just running all the time, like it not supposed to, it was supposed to run and then stop. But it was running all the time and for some reason it wasn't working. So we shut it off. I went back home and then he told me the next morning, yeah, after an hour the water decreased in pressure and stopped. So and then through the community connections, Tony N gave me a uh, a name of a company that might be able to do well pumps, and then they, you know, through one and another, they got a great company. It was really helpful to him, and they fixed it. And the pipe had broken right at his foundation, and was pouring water all down his foundation. That's why he had water problems. But not only that, when they had given birth to their little daughter in December, uh, their families couldn't come from mainland China to be with them, the, either set of parents. And so the different members from our community knew this and had met them before in one way or another, and they, they ministered to them. So they stopped by and, and was there for when they first had their newborn. And I, I think of like Katie and Nathan and Daniel and uh, Megan and Melody and Hunling and probably some others of you that I can't remember at the moment, uh, all stopped by, and th that really meant so much to them because their family was not able to be there. And you see then, just because they knew us and our community, they were being blessed in ways that they had no expectation, practical blessing on them, just because they knew us. And, and when we follow Christ, we will be a blessing to others in all kinds of ways. I love how the Apostle Paul described it in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. Will we be a blessing to others by complete, incomplete faith, following God's call for us to follow him wherever he leads us? Whether it's going over to a neighbor's house and helping out with some basement thing or just maybe helping someone understand something that doesn't know English that well, or, or whatever it is. Will we respond to the opportunities that God brings to us in our time of, uh, when he brings it to our, need, our attention, I mean? The practical question is, do we have complete faith to answer God's call, to trust him? Will we respond with a life-changing faith to follow him in the everyday stuff of life? Not like, necessarily like go across the nation or go to another country but God wants us to be faithful in the little things before he entrusts us with the big things and the little things and the big things both are our everyday lives so in a sense it's your call 
It's your call. It's your decision. And it's also your specific call from God. God blesses us in Christ with so many things, so many ways. But we are to bless others in his name and for his kingdom purposes. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we are grateful for your call in our lives because we know we do not deserve it. We often, well, every day, in some way, sin against you, hurt people in our lives through the words we say or the neglect we show toward them. Lord, we, we confess ongoing sinfulness in our hearts. And yet, Lord, we stand here redeemed in Christ, Jesus, your son. And because of that, we know that we are enabled to do what is right, to not be enslaved to always being selfish, that we can step out and bring glory to your name on earth, whether it's in a practical, simple, kind act, and also with the opportunities you give to share why we're doing these things in your name and the gospel truth of what you did for us. Lord, give us opportunities to do so so that your name would be known all over this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.